We're talking about the building blocks of faith. As your pastor, I feel so strongly that there's just something that burns in me all the time to equip people with the knowledge of God's word, not just with the, the head knowledge, but with knowledge, revelation knowledge that you can lay hold of it so that you understand how to walk in the love of God, which never fails. How to walk by the faith of God, right? So that you can lay hold of everything that God has provided for you. So that you can actually walk out his path for your life. See, as you do that, you'll walk. Walking by faith is literally, if you'll notice, we've spent nine weeks on two building blocks. We're putting the third one in, which is the third one in this series. We've talked about what faith is for five weeks. We talked about how faith comes for four weeks, right? What faith is. Faith is a lifestyle. It's how we live. I live by faith, so that means I constantly live with my eyes on Jesus, with his word in my heart, and with his word coming out of my mouth. And the faith of God that comes from hearing his voice inside of me enables me to lay hold of this unseen inheritance of healing, of health, of prosperity, of finances, of deliverance, of safety, of joy, all this stuff. I, I lay hold of it. The faith of God that comes from hearing his word causes me to, to receive and lay hold of the promise of God and it comes into my life in this realm through faith. My faith, which comes from hearing God's word, so in effect you could say it's his faith, right? I'm living by his faith. It comes from hearing his word. And now what it does, it gives substance to the thing that I'm expecting. That, that unseen, unperceivable by my senses, healing for my body, provision for my life, deliverance, safety, all these things, I can't perceive them right now. They're unseen, but the unseen is more real than the seen. Everything, the Bible says everything seen was made by the unseen. So I reach into the unseen and I grab hold of it and my faith gives substance to that that I'm expecting. My faith, which comes from hearing God's word, is the proof that I have what I cannot see. And oh, it fills my heart with joy. Because when I'm in the midst of a battle, when I'm in the beginning of the battle, I already have the answer. I already have the victory. So I don't have to see what that does is it causes me to speak. See, because when I have the word in abundance in my heart, and when I have the word in abundance, it will come out of my mouth. So now I live my life speaking the word of God. And what I'm doing now is I will have joy, how? By the answer of my mouth. 
So now, because I'm walking, I'm literally walking by the faith of God, I'm also by default walking in the joy of the Lord. And that joy strengthens me. How will I see? And then I get pressed by a circumstance or a symptom or something. But when I'm pressed, because I'm, I have the word, what, what happens now, the word's coming out of my mouth. So when I'm pressed, what comes out is it is written. And so when I say it is written, Jesus himself bore these lying symptoms and carried this disease so I am healed. And when I say that, now the very patience of God comes as a response to my, to my mouth. And now patience comes out of my spirit and it undergirds my mind. Keeping my eyes on Jesus in the midst of a storm, keeping me at peace and in joy. So I'm totally content in the worst situation, I'm content where I am, but I, I'm content on the way to where I'm going. And I know through faith and patience, I will inherit the promise. What does that mean? I will see it in my life. See, part of walking by faith is your seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is describing the walk of faith in Matthew 6.33. And when I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I'm seeking that first. What does that mean? I'm always keeping my eyes on the fact that, number one, I have been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. And now, because of that, because the heritage that I have as a child of God, as the righteous child of God, my heritage is no weapon that's formed against me will prosper. No tongue that rises up against me in judgment will ever, will ever work because I could condemn the tongue. So every time the accuser, Satan, tries to bring words of accusation against me. I smile and am at rest and say, oh, no, 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 no. It is written, Satan, I'm unaccusable. Right? Why? Because Jesus, he was accused for me. See, so by default, what we're talking about, this is why you could name this series The Building Blocks of Faith, you could name this series How to Walk in the Inheritance. You could name this series Our Lifestyle. You could name this series How You Receive Everything That God Gave You. You could, you could say that this series is, can be titled How I Please God. Right? So we know how faith comes. We know what it is. Faith of God gives substance to that which I'm believing him for, I'm expecting it because he said it. How does it come? It comes only one way, never comes by not going to the doctor. It never comes by denying your circumstances. It never comes by not taking medicine or taking medicine. It doesn't come that way. Faith only comes one way from hearing God's word. 
hearing it. That means today, as I'm sitting here, when I went this morning, when I was talking to the Lord, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm coming into your house with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm coming today, and I have ears to hear. I'm coming to readily receive your word. I'm honoring, I'm respecting your word. But, but literally now, as I'm doing this, as I'm walking by faith, all of these things are happening in my life, and I literally am walking in a revelation that now, God, I honor, I respect your word above everything else in my, my life. So I'm giving it my undivided attention, and I'm listening to it, already understanding the reality of your word. I understand when I hear it is written, the reality that I understand is it's already done. And that nothing can keep that. It's unchangeable. It's forever settled in heaven. If God said it, that's it. That's when I come to that place and I've made the choice, I might not understand. I mean, I got to tell you, the more I study this word, the more I realize I don't know and the more excited I get. That used to frustrate me. Because I'm like, oh, I'd be so much of... I'd be such a better pastor if I just knew more. That's a true statement. But you know what? I'm totally content where I am on the way to where I'm going. And it seems like the more that I grow in this, the more I realize I don't know. So the more I have to completely rely on him. Like today, he doesn't show up. I'm going to be bored. You're going to be bored. Right? You're going to be thinking, man, okay. Where are we going to church next Sunday? Right? Because, wow. But no, no, he'll show up. His word is forever settled. And that's how I hear it. And when I come to the revelation and I make the choice that God, I may not understand all of the particulars of your word, but I understand the message and the reality of every word in that book, that it is forever settled. It is not subject to change, and you will bring it to pass, every word. You'll always do what you say. I make that choice. Joshua made it. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I will walk in his word, and I make the choice that I believe his word. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. And now... When I make that choice, my whole life, my whole life, it's like I just stepped into a new realm. And that realm is revelation knowledge. I made the choice that I will always believe it. That I'll, and by, what I mean by that is I'll always believe it and be willing to submit to it. And therefore, every moment of every day, I will walk in the revelation knowledge of it. This, this is so important in the walk of faith. If you'll notice what faith is, it's all about a heart attitude for you to see it. How faith comes, it's all about your heart attitude. Guys, we were created to be laser focused on God in the midst of walking through this life. So the last piece that I want to start talking to you today is about 
how do we release our faith? So if, if faith is a gun, right, how do I release my faith? You have to pull the trigger. So we want to talk about how we pull the trigger. Because your trigger is your mouth, and, and actually it's your mouth, but it's what, what it is, it's your mouth and the actions associated with your mouth. I, I, I see, why do I say it this way? We'll look at it, maybe the Lord will lead us. I've got a, about 100 scriptures going through me right now, so I'm, I'm still talking, I'm flowing right now, finding out the first one to go to. I think it's James chapter two, but I've just gotta make sure. But, see, in Proverbs it says that your tongue is your steering wheel. It says that your tongue hands you things. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. Right, Proverbs 18, 20 and 21. So, so when you speak the word of God, it will actually steer your life and cause you to be a doer of it. Most Christians are not a doer of the word. They're a hearer only. They're just listening because they're not speaking. Right? How people get off and get in wrong places is they start speaking the wrong thing. They start talking about their environment or their circumstances instead of talking to them. Right? So this is, this is so important. Actually, let's go there. Let's go to James chapter 2, and let's launch off here. James chapter 2, verse 17. I just love the Lord. He said that this series would really make faith simple so that people can grab onto it. James chapter 2, verse 17. It says, even so, faith, if it hath not works, think of works like this. The Greek word means if it doesn't have corresponding action, is dead. That word dead, I mean, it, it means lifeless. It means unable to do anything. It, it literally, I mean, it's, this is really deep. It means dead, right? Faith without corresponding action is dead being alone. This is why a lot of people, they will have an encounter with God and they will choose to pray a prayer, but they're not praying it out of their heart. And there's no corresponding action. See, if you believe in Jesus as your Lord, that's that, that literally that very word. When you say, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're denoting action. And when you see people, if you know people, that there is no evidence in their life that they want anything to do with God, doesn't matter about their past, I would encourage you, treat them like they're not saved until you know from God that they are. Because it's impossible to really tell a difference because a carnal Christian will look like somebody who's never accepted the Lord, right? So, so we, we want to minister effectively and the Holy Spirit will help you. There's been times when I've been praying for people, literally, and all of a sudden, coming out of my spirit, I'm like, oh my gosh, let me pray this way because I don't think this person's saved even though, even though they're in church, even though they're saying this or that. 
And, and boy, sure enough, you start praying in the spirit form, you start, you know, praying certain directions, and a couple years later, boom, they come up to you and they're like, man, I got saved. Change my life. And you see action. It's like, great, right? Faith without corresponding action is dead being alone. Jesus said this, right, in Luke, why do you call me Lord, Lord? It made no sense to Jesus, and you don't do the things that I say. Well, he was describing the church in America right now. Oh, yeah, G- yeah, Jesus is my Lord. Now, I don't go to church. I don't read my Bible. I do whatever I want to do in my flesh, but I'm a Christian. Okay, I hope so. But there's no life in that lifestyle. So what do we do as believers? Do we, do we say, oh, no, you're not. No, 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 we don't work out anybody else's salvation. We love them. We believe the best. If there are children, we smile. Because we know. You're so blessed, you're in. You just don't, may not know it yet. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be mighty on this earth for God. It's going to be fun to watch, Right? So let's, let's look at this, because here's another dynamic of faith. So many times, because we talk about how God wants to bless you, this is what people hear as we minister this. That this walk of faith is bliss. That now, oh my gosh, I'm a Christian and oh, I know Mark 11, 22 and 23 and 24. And oh my gosh, I actually listen to Brother Hagen or Brother Copeland or Keith Moore. And, and oh, now my life will be nothing but bliss to bliss to bliss. I'll never face anything. I've been delivered from anything and I will never face a bad situation. And then all of a sudden, this little baby Christian floating through life hits a wall. And all of a sudden, they're like, whoa, time out. I am in a circumstance that is not making me happy. This, what in the world? Come on, I tithe Sunday. Why in the world was not all of my debt eradicated by Monday? I mean, God created the whole universe in six days. I mean, I'm sure he could eradicate all my stupid decisions for the last 30 years in 24 hours. So let's, here, we have to understand how you release your faith. Part of this is understanding what the word says about our life. So let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. So let's look at what the word of God says about the environment that we are going to walk through in faith. Okay? Now remember this. This environment is not to affect our faith. This environment is not to affect our joy, our peace, our strength. It is not to affect our, the, the end result of us walking in the blessing of God. But I want to make it real clear so that people understand. You are living on the earth This is the valley of the shadow of death. Closest, this is the closest thing to hell 
you will ever experience. And we have to know exactly so that we can see it as it really is. Yes, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, but who cares because he's with me. Right? So let's look at this. 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 1. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy, I guess I should go there. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. It says, This know also. This word know literally means perceive and understand. The word of God is telling us you need to perceive this, you need to see this and know this, that in the last, in the Greek it would mean in the final days, perilous times, not might come, shall come. Perilous times, in the final days. (laughs) Now, this was written in the last days. Because notice how it says, perilous days shall come. So in other words, the last days, when did that start? When Jesus came out of the grave. We are in the last days. But man, there's going to come a time in the final days where perilous times are going to come. Let me prophesy with you today. We are in the final days. Perilous times have come. We live in them. Do you know God created you to live in them? Right? On the inside of you, you have the ability to walk in peace, to walk in joy, to walk in strength. You are not going to be moved by things that will blow people away. Perilous times. That word perilous, you've heard me say this. The Greek word, as you rightly divide it, is a dangerous times, difficult times, strength-reducing times. So we could say this. As your pastor in 2020, guys, in these days that we're living in, dangerous, difficult, and strength-reducing times are here. And you need to know that. And you need to see that. You need to perceive that. Why does it say you need to perceive it? Because you need to see it in right perspective. Dangerous, difficult, strength-reducing times that never will produce fear in my life. That never will shake the presence of God, the peace of God, that will not change any part of the word for me. Right? See, we talk about, well, the early church, man, they were persecuted so much that they, you know, they suffered financially. Okay, but guys, we have almost 2,000 years of revelation knowledge on God's word of how he'll provide for us. I mean, supernatural provision. God will move mountains to provide for you according to his riches and glory. And so you need to realize this. Let's look at another scripture talking about our environment. Let's go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. You're like, man, I 
I was thinking I probably should have went to breakfast this morning if he's just going to talk about this. This will help you tremendously. John 10.10, have you ever heard this scripture before? In your life, in this earth, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So the environment that you're going to lay hold of everything that God has provided for you in, you're going to have an enemy that's still going to be trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But that's okay because Jesus came so that we would have the very quality and essence of life that God has. Isn't that amazing? So let's go. We're, we're talking about Jesus here. Let's go to what Jesus said right before he went to the cross to his disciples. Let's go to John chapter, I think it is 16. John chapter 16. In verse 33, he said this. Yeah, Mark, Mark's been getting, Pastor Mark's been getting revelation on this for over a year now. It says here, it says, these things I have spoken unto you. Why? Jesus is saying, listen, I'm speaking these things to you that in me you might have peace. In me you might have peace. Guess where you are? In him, right? It says what? It says in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. This, this, this phrase, good cheer, means but take courage and be bold. Be of good cheer. Take courage and be bold. You know how you say that according to Scripture? You know how you take courage and be bold? You know where boldness comes from? It comes one way. It comes from knowing him. Daniel eleven thirty two. 32. Those that know their God will be strong and do exploits. They'll be courageous. They'll do things beyond their natural ability. Why? See, boldness comes from knowing God. I am bold in him. Arrogance comes from you thinking you're all that right? But boldness comes from who you know. Take courage and be bold. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Wow. See, boldness comes from what you know, and it comes from who you know. So although you're going to have tribulation, here's what tribulation is. This Greek word literally means pressure. Bummer. Mental anguish. What? Yeah. Have you ever had any mental anguish? Thoughts coming in your mind, right? See, you, you can take all those thoughts captive, but you, a lot, you can't keep them from coming in your mind. So they're going to come, and when they come, realize, oh, wait, time out. I could, I could take courage and be bold, be of good cheer, because I know Jesus has already overcome everything the enemy's trying to speak to me right now. Right? This, this word tribulation means persecution. 
It means trouble. And this is a big one. It means something that burdens you. Have you ever been where the enemy's trying to burden you? Right? A burden is, it's like this load. And it's a crushing load. But what do we do with that? We humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God by rolling all of the care over on him. So this is, see, everything we're facing here, Jesus has already overcome it. So I want you to know, in your life, you're going to face stuff, and it's okay. And you got to know this, because some believers who think they know something about faith, they wonder when an attack comes. And they're like, wait, time out. Because Satan will go, wow, why did this attack come? You must not really know anything, or you're a mess, or you're not laying hold of it, or maybe eventually he'll start telling you, you know, God just just really doesn't care about you. But you need to realize, no, the environment of faith is perilous, tribulation, but in the midst of it, you have peace. See, he said, in the world you'll have this, but in me you will have peace. In other words, on the inside, I have everything I need, And all that's on the inside will completely change and cause me to dominate everything on the outside. But there's going to be things on the outside. Right? That's why you can't let things distract you. Don't let your career distract you. Don't let your family distract you. Don't let your friendships and your social life distract you. Listen, you will be more attune in all those areas if you will keep him first because here's the thing people talk about well no i gotta put family first no brother or sister you're not putting family first whenever you put anything above god you're putting you first and that is the problem you know when we had two children growing up sarah and david man god was very adamant it rocked my world i used to teach you know families first Till Jesus said, where's that in the Bible? And all that came up is seek first the kingdom. But then he started showing me, listen, if I put God first, man, my family, I'll be a better dad, I'll be a better husband, I'll be a better father. And I think of all, I think of all the young people that I've ministered to, middle schoolers, high schoolers, college people i i've i've seen so much where these young people struggle because dads and i'll speak as a dad if you don't deal with the stuff in your life your kids will have to deal with that stuff but if you'll deal with it they won't have to mom same thing so seek first this is see we have to, I have to preach this because I love you. This is the building block of faith. And it's exciting. So let's keep going. Let's go to James chapter 1. This will breathe life, even though I'm talking about perilous and all this stuff, because it's the Lord. Here's another wonderful scripture. My brethren... 
Now, this is Pastor James talking to a Jewish congregation that was under great persecution and scattered all over the place. He says, my brethren, what does he say? Count it all joy. You see, you have to count it joy. Part of your faith walk is to count it joy. So when I look at an attack, I count it joy. What am I counting joy? The attack? No, I'm counting the victory joy. When Satan attacks my body, I'm not, I'm not giving, I'm not thankful for everything. I'm thankful in everything. So when Satan's attacking my body, I smile and I'm like, you, it is written. I've been redeemed from sickness and disease. You know it. I know it. Body, you have to come in line with the word of God. I bind you, Satan. You let go of my body. You let go of this attack. Body, you come in line with the word of God. You have to. So, and Father, I just thank you that I'm healed. Amen. See, I'm thankful in it. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. So I need to show you what fall means. I've been talking about it a little bit. So Pastor Mark, can you come up here? Zach, can you come up here? Hallelujah. Philip, can you come up here for a second? Let, let's get some big guys up here. Andre, could you come up here? And Steve, oh my gosh, yeah. Can you just come up here? But brother, you can't <laughs> grab me, okay? Because I probably can't outrun you. Joe, can you come up here just for a second? Now there's other big guys here. We gotta get John Patrick, we better come up here. Come on, John. Don't flex, because I don't want you to break out your, oh yeah, here we go. Come on. Dan, come on. We, we got, well, it's hard with Dan. Because, I mean, he's big, but he looks like Jesus, so I, I don't, you know. Samuel, you got to come up here because you're gigantic on the inside. So, so, but all of us wish we were as handsome as this kid, right? You know, <laughs> and as anointed. So, so count it all joy when you fall into various diverse temptations. So all these guys are temptations, tests, trials, pressures. So I'm walking through life, and what I want you guys to do is kind of stay in line and come, and I want you guys to just come and encompass me, circle me. This is what the word fall means. So all of a sudden, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out how am, I, how am I gonna get out of this? This is fall. Okay, thank you guys. I can't get out, because I've been encompassed. Has that ever happened to you? Thought, circumstance, person, this happening, that happening, right? I've had pastors that I've talked to. I just don't understand. People are leaving. I don't know what to do. This is happening. That's happening. Then I got stuff blowing up in my house. I got stuff blowing up in my life. What am I, you, brother, this is what you do. You count it all joy. Knowing something that when you're compassed, not if, this is, see, this is what it's like. Boy, I've got to show you guys this thing again. Can you guys come up here again really quick? <laughs> Darn it. I got to bring this thing. Down. I'm sorry. Here we go. I'm not really sorry, but you, you guys think of this way. This will help you stay awake in the sermon. It's awesome. So compass me again. So here we are, here I am, I'm just Mr. Faith guy, right? So I'm compassed and I'm trying to get out, but it says count it all joy 
when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying, see, this is not coming against me. It's coming against my faith. Knowing that the trying of my faith produces patience. So all of a sudden, patience. Let patience have its perfect work. So in the midst of this, I'm looking, I'm looking at all these, and then all of a sudden patience comes up, and I start going, oh, Jesus. It produces patience, and let patience have her perfect work. See, it puts pressure until it caves so that I could be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I want nothing because I have it now. Okay, thank you guys. You guys are awesome. I could feel the anointing off all these powerful men. Does that make sense? See, See, what happens with most Christians is they're surrounded. Listen, I'd like to tell you you're never gonna be surrounded, but I'd be lying. You will be surrounded. So the question is, will patience, hupomene, and endurance come upon you to lift your head from looking at the circumstances? Think about when you go through something, what do you do? You go home and you and your wife or you and your friends talk all about it. And what you're doing is you're causing it to press you. But when you get your eyes on Jesus, Patience will keep your eyes on Jesus so that you're going, it is written, it is written, and all of a sudden you'll start talking to that and it will move it. The strength of God will move it out of the way and you'll be perfect and entire. That means complete. That means whole. Wanting nothing because you know you already have it. I already have everything. I already have everything I'll need from from where I'm at right now through all of my time on the earth. I already have it. He's prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So don't be moved by these circumstances. Right? Don't even let them move you. Count it all joy. Man, when you get surrounded, you're like, oh, this is going to be fun. Because I'm going to see God move. Because I already have the victory. I'm not trying to get healed. I'm healed so sickness and disease, I don't care if it's stage four, what it is, it's got to move out of the way. Because why? I will not die. But I will live. And I will declare the works of the Lord. I mean, that's the reality of faith. And that's how you release your faith. You fix your eyes on Jesus. The word comes up strong in your, in your heart. And now you speak to that mountain, and that's Mark eleven twenty three. 23. That's when that mountain moves. This has to be taught and taught and taught. We have to teach this to our children. We have to teach this to people, Christians, because this is why the church gets weak. Man, when your diet stinks, what do you crave? More junk. So you run from internet speaker to internet speaker and you run all over the place because you're looking for a great feeling. But when your eyes are on Jesus, you actually can feed everywhere because your eyes are right. And the internet speakers, they're great. 
But you got it. This is faith. This is count it all joy when, not if. So there's going to be perilous times. The enemy's going to try to steal, kill, and destroy. This is in our life right now. This is just, it should never catch us off guard. But know that you already have the victory. Greater than he that's in you. The, the word is forever settled. Isn't that good news? You've already won. Oh, but pastor, I'm believing God for my own house, and I just don't know how. Jesus. He'll provide it. Those of us with only one house, get, get excited, because you need more of them. We're living at the end of the age. You're going to probably have to help some people. Right? And we got to get out of this Babylonian system. First of all, we got to get out of debt. And i got to tell you, we don't have 30 years to pay off a mortgage anymore. We don't have 10 years to pay off student loans. No, no, we need, to, we need to get out of debt. We need to find out from the Lord, okay, what do you want me to believe here? I know I have been given an eternal jubilee. So what, and what do you want me to do? Right? God is good. He, he, he works in all these situations. So this is faith. So now, let's put another piece to this puzzle. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. I mentioned it earlier, but let's go there. Luke chapter 6, it's about verse 46, right in that area. Let me look at it. I'll tell you exactly. Is this helping you today? I hope this is helping you. I believe it is. It's helping me. Man. We are, we are storming the gates of hell with squirt guns right? It's like, bring it. Bring the hairiest, ugliest demon you've ever, you've got. Bring the strongest, because the greater one's inside of me. That's our God. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. So Jesus, he's saying, okay, so why are you guys calling me Lord, Lord, but you're not doing the things which I say? And then he's going to, being Jesus, he kind of drops a heavy statement on him, but now he's going to bring him to a higher level. He's going to say, let me, let me show you how to come to a higher level. Let me show you how to get right where you are. Let me show you how to make this little tiny adjustment in your life that will make you a world overcomer, walking in it. He says this, whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. So now I'm actually hearing God's word. Faith comes, so now I'm doing it. That's Romans 10, 16, isn't it? 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. It's exactly what the word was explaining here. And does them. I will show you to whom he is like. Now, why did Jesus say that? From knowing from Jesus' mouth himself, the reason why he said, I will show you who this man is like. Who the, who, I'll, I'll show you. Because his father said, Jesus, I want you to say that you will show them what a person looks like that hears the word of God and does it. 
Okay? So this is literally the word of God. He didn't say, oh, let me tell you. Isn't that interesting? Do you know as you witness to people, as you share your faith, you, see, this is why so many people don't ever bear fruit because they're, they're going around telling everybody what they think they should do. Instead of, instead of saying, boy, this is a nugget. So instead of saying what the Holy Spirit is telling you to say so that your words don't tell, they show. Isn't that, that's powerful. See, Jesus doesn't want to tell you today that you're healed. He wants to show you. He doesn't want to tell you that you are to walk in his faith. He wants to show you. Okay, so let's keep going with this. Wow, that's, that's really good. Man, if I had, I need to, I'm going to have to go back and write that down if I forget that. That's really good. Hallelujah. It says, verse 48, he's like a man which built a house and he dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood arose, notice, oh shoot, so here's another wonderful piece to Pastor Tony's uplifting sermon today, <laughs> that there's going to be floods that arise. We've had a few floods this year, haven't we? But this man, let me show you what he's like. He's like a man that built a house. Okay? And he dig deep, and he laid the foundation on a rock. Have you ever tried to build part of your life? You go too fast, you try to cut corners, and you don't get built up in the word enough. So you're trying to believe God for something, but your whole life is on sand. And, the, and what sand is, it's mental ascent. You haven't taken the time. How do you dig deep? By meditating in the word day and night. I'm telling you, it's this little adjustment. Most people will come to church and go, wow, Pastor Tony's sermon was awesome. This scripture's my answer. And then they go about their life. And they remember the scripture, but they've never done this. They've never decided to peer into the scripture so that I keep saying it over and over and over to myself until the Holy Spirit is able to open it up on the inside of me. And I'm like, wow, I am healed. He is my provider. He is my deliverer. Wow, my kids are going to be okay. Right? So this is what it means to dig deep, putting your house laying the foundation on a rock when the floods arise and the streams beat vehemently. They don't just beat. No, no, you're living in the valley of the shadow of death. So guess what? They beat vehemently. I love Psalm 23 because he leads me beside still waters. In other words, he leads me on the inside while the, while the stream is beating vehemently on me. I'm beside still waters on the inside. Are you seeing this picture? This is, this is huge. The streams beat vehemently upon that house. And this is the shouting part. 
and could not shake it. God doesn't want Satan to be able to rattle a window or a shingle. Nothing. It doesn't say, it doesn't say he chose not to. It says that he could not. He could not. Say this with me. Nothing that I will ever face, no attack of the enemy, no demon of hell, no principality, no power, no circumstance, no person, no sickness, no anything will ever move me. Say this with me. Because my life is built upon the rock of Jesus Christ, which is revelation, knowledge of his word. It's true. It's absolutely the truth. Wow. Could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Man, we got to run. Let's run over to Psalm 23 real quick. Psalm 23. I'm telling you, we are having church this morning. Psalm 23. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Wow. Why? For you, my Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You've prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you've anointed my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Wow. And now, not a woman named Shirley, but surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Through anything, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is our life. Man, you got to run over to Isaiah 42. No, I'm sorry, Isaiah 43. Go to Isaiah 43 real quick. We're kind of closing. Hallelujah. It's so good. I mean, how do you, you know, let's, let's forget the closing part. Let's just say we're about to pause. Okay. <laughs> Isaiah 43, look at verse 2. Wait, let we, it, verse 2 is so good, but we got to go to verse 1. It says, I love this in the word. God says, by the Spirit of God, but now. So when is now? That's now. Guess what it'll be in five minutes. Five minutes from now, it'll be now. God says this. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee. O Jacob, he that formed thee. O Israel, which is a type of the church. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. 
I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Muhammad, which serves Allah, does not ever call his slaves by their name. But Jesus says, I've I've bought you out with my very life. I've redeemed you. I've placed you. You're mine. And I call you by your name. The God that's holding the universe together knows your name. And look at what he says. Darn it. Not if. Why couldn't verse 2 be if? It says, when you pass through the waters... I will be with you. So I'm not going to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that's that's sitting before their circumstance going, okay, I I won't have to go into the furnace. I won't have to go into the furnace. That's why you lose. that's That's why you suffer loss. Because we pray on the wrong level. That's praying from earth to heaven. No, we pray from heaven to earth. It doesn't matter where, you, where I go. Throw me in. Most powerful person on the planet. Throw me in the furnace. My God is able to, to deliver me. And oh, by the way, he will. Now, we have to bring this to the New Testament. Yeah, throw me in the furnace. My God has already delivered me. So when you throw me in, guess who you're throwing in? Me and Jesus. Right? He's always with me. He's in me. See, it says here, not if, but when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. Why? Because I'm with you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame even kindle upon you. In other words, when you come out of the fire, there will be no evidence that you've ever even been in a fire. So if Satan has caused some hardness, if he's, if he's caused some hurt in your life, listen, when you go through that with God, there is no scar to show it. It's all, no, when you pass through the fire, it will not kindle upon you. You won't even smell like smoke. You will smell like the rose of Sharon. Because your God does what? Always causes you to triumph. And what does he do? And he leaves a fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere you go. So how we're starting this out, how to release your faith, is realize if you're in circumstances right now, it's okay. That's just part of this deal. But there's a place in God where in the midst of circumstances, you're just filled with joy and peace. It is time that the church stop looking for the things of the world to bring us peace and joy and contentment it can't jesus said everything that's in the world it's not of the father the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life and it's all passing away man i am so glad i am so glad the bible says after this year i am so glad there will be no remembrance of the unrighteous in heaven no remembrance Remember 2020? 
yeah, man, I ministered to this person and I did that. No, no, you remember that virus thing? I'm like, what virus thing? Right? Because who I am in God, it eclipses everything. Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible said they could not see the sun because of the brightness that came out of Jesus. Satan, you are such a non-issue in my life. I am not moved. I have the greatest times when I'm in the greatest pressure because I'm not in pressure on the inside. So I'll finish with this. 1 John 4.4. 4. Right? Check that out. 1 John 4.4. 4. It's a great scripture. Bible says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. What are the thems in your life? The Bible says you've already overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, I'm telling you, we're going to keep preaching this, and we're going to get stronger, and the anointing's going to be greater, because it's to dispel the darkness. Jesus is Lord. He's risen. It's done. You're victorious. Do you believe that? I know you do. Amen.